Today, Rinpoche began the explanation of how to not let your spirit of enlightenment weaken in future lifetimes. Okay, Okay, so we're going, in English, we will begin, um, it's going to be right around page 74, 75 area. Um, yeah, 75 uh, is where we'll begin. It's going to be the training and the precepts that cause you to not separate from your spirit of enlightenment in future lifetimes as well. So... Uh, that's where we'll begin. Welcome, everyone, to the Chen Rezi Tibetan Buddhist Center. Sorry, I was a little late. Uh, um, but we're in the uh, second volume of Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. Uh, and specifically now, we're in the section on training the mind in the stage of the path for beings of great capacity. And specifically within that section, we're dealing with the spirit of enlightenment the bodhi and the bodhisattva vows, or the spirit of enlightenment and vows and how to make sure that they don't decline in this lifetime, and now we're dealing with next lifetime. So that's the section in the book uh, that we're at, and there's no way to turn up the... It just rubs on my cheek when I move it closer. Hold on, it's rubbing on my cheek, so it's going to create noise. Is that okay? All right, cool. All right. Oh, that's <laughs> good. Okay, so we've gone through the section. Uh, when we look at the, the sections in this uh, particular area, um, where we have training in the precepts uh, that cause you not to weaken your spirit of enlightenment in this lifetime and in the next lifetime. Those are the two major categories that we look over in this section. So the first category technically is the training and the precepts that cause you not to weaken your spirit of enlightenment in this lifetime or your bodhicitta in this lifetime. And second category, the training and the precepts that cause you not to separate from your spirit of enlightenment in future lifetimes as well. So there are four categories under that first category that we've already gone over. So the four categories are 
the training in the precept to recall the benefits of the spirit of enlightenment in order to increase the strength of your enthusiasm for it. Second category, the training in the precept to generate the spirit of enlightenment six times each day in order to increase the actual spirit of enlightenment. And three, the training in the precept not to mentally abandon the living beings for whose sake you develop the spirit of enlightenment. And four uh, is where we um, explain the collection necessary of merit and sublime wisdom in order uh, to become a Buddha, so the precept that allows you to accumulate those two collections. So we've gone through these categories that deal with um, this lifetime, and now we've arrived at the second category, which deals with the precepts that allow you not to be separated in future lifetimes. So again, that's on page 75 at the bottom, and uh, that's where we'll begin today. Rimji just wanted to recap the outline. <laughs> So this word um, mind generation um, or uh, the mind, uh, really the, the correct uh, uh, English is mind generation. So there's mind generation in the three different vehicles of Buddhism. So we have mind generation in the hearer's vehicle. We have mind generation in the uh, solitary realizer vehicle. And then we have mind generation in the bodhisattva vehicle which is the Mahayana mind generation. The type of mind generation that we're speaking of here is that third category of the bodhisattva mind generation. <coughs> so that mind generation is a, adopting a mind that wishes to become a Buddha for the sake of all sentient beings. So the purpose of that mind and the mind that's actually generated is one that has that pervasive thought to become a Buddha for the sake of sentient beings. And that's what's different than those other types of mind generation and what makes it distinct. Uh, so the mind generation that we're speaking of here uh, is the bodhisattva mind generation. What does Sinjin Sama Sanji Yagi Nibayu Aris? Sinjin Tanji Sanji Sanji Giri Chabu Aris, Luzon Kun Trishidan, Tijin Yer Major, the Reusion of Lujangu. ตาสวาจิเนบุจิสเจ้าชะมังกุมมาเบ้ลุซนกุนทริชิตันติจิเนเมชิตันเรียชินตันตาสุมมาเบ้สุมมาเตเนซิเนซามายุลุซวาจิ
So all six realms of cyclic existence, I'm sorry, all um, beings in the six realms of cyclic existence possess this Buddha lineage. There isn't any being that doesn't. All hell beings possess Buddha lineage. All hungry ghosts possess this. All animals possess this. All humans possess this, demigods, gods. All beings in the six realms of cyclic existence possess Buddha lineage, or uh, usually translated as Buddha nature. So since this mental consciousness is present, the ability to to arise as Buddha or become Buddha exists. We don't want suffering, we want happiness. で、で、に、タンボ、ナツデワグ、ニパ。ドワンドバインザ、アンナモバナナツルドワ、ネトゥグドワ、ランジェグドワ、テバチェビドワ、サマユアユアレス、タレス。デニパ。テネ、ド
I wanted to be able to give the outline in a, a better format. I was finding that I had the categories mixed in, um, and they do. So, uh, But I have it. It's a little bit clearer now. So the first um, point is that these happinesses of the hearer's solitary realizer and um, Mahayana vehicle have been presented. The Buddha turned the wheel of Dharma three times and presented these various forms of happiness. Um, because sentient beings want happiness, then, and because these forms of happiness exist, sentient beings will um, strive for these, fo these various forms of happiness and achieve them. So this is the first sign. Because sentient beings want happiness um, um, and, and want the most happiness, um, there are these various forms of happiness that were presented by the Buddha that do exist, so sentient beings will eventually achieve these various forms of happiness that exist because of their desire to have happiness. Uh, this inherent, not inherent, this uh, desire everyone has uh, to have this. The second category is that because sentient beings uh, possess this Buddha lineage, um, 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 sentient beings possess this Buddha lineage because we have the same mental continuum as the Buddha in, 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 in the sense that our mental continuum is not truly established in the same way that Buddha's mental continuum is not truly established. Just as a translator's note, it does not mean that those two are one or the same. It means that they have the same nature, meaning that uh, they both aren't truly established. So they have this similarity, this commonality. Um, so just like Buddha's mind is not truly established, Ours isn't. So since this, so that's why uh, this Buddha lineage is present because we have the same substance as the Buddha does and did uh, before he, in this case, uh, became a Buddha. Um, so if we meditate in the same way that Buddha did on the lack of true establishment of our mind, then we will be able to achieve this same exact result. So this is the second sign also given for this Buddha uh, potential in terms of, um, uh, in terms of the uh, great vehicle bliss. Um, so the first is that the Buddha turned the wheel of Dharma three times, presented these various blisses, and that sentient beings want them, so they will achieve them. The second category is this Buddha lineage is present um, because, like, like the Buddhas, 
our mind is not truly established. And if we meditate on this in the same way that Buddha did, then we'll achieve the same result. And the third category is that um, this... Um, uh, this Sumba, Sumba, Sanjay, the Nimpo Chan, Sumba, the Sanjay. Oh, because the third category is because one possesses the um, Buddha lineage, one possesses the essence of the Buddha. Um, so that's the third category. Because this Buddha lineage is present, everyone possesses the essence of the Buddha or the. Uh, the word heart is being used, but I'm being cautious not to use that in English. Um, the, whenever we say, uh, um, just as the translators know, whenever I translate uh, that it's the essence of the great vehicle, the word heart is really, this ni uh, is the word for heart in, in Tibetan. Um, but if you turn it into just conversational, it becomes like the essence. But the literal translation is the heart. Um, so... Uh, if I were to translate this literally, I would say that uh, because we possess this Buddha, this Buddha um, lineage, we possess the heart of the Buddha. But that could be misinterpreted very easily. So the essence, the heart, meaning the essence. Uh, so that's the third category. So as Buddhists, we would um, never make a statement that uh, someone doesn't have this Buddha lineage. All practitioners in every religious tradition have this. All Muslims, all Christians, all Hindus, all practitioners of Judaism, all beings in every religious tradition possess this Lineage. So how can we say that everyone has this? We say this because everyone has a mental consciousness that is not truly established. This is the reason. This is what's said. <coughs> Hmm. So, uh, because of the difficulty of the information and the substance of it, this has been broken down into two separate categories, dealing with the, the spirit of awakening and not letting it decrease in this lifetime, and then the spirit of awakening and not letting it decrease in future lifetimes. So this is why it's been broken down into these various categories because of the amount of information that is being divided up. <coughs> so there's two categories. The uh, first is practicing the um, uh, white uh, dharmas or white practices and uh, uh, sec I'm sorry the first category is I'll just read the uh, um, this here I'm just trying to translate it properly the training in the precept to eliminate the four black dharmas or black practices which weaken the spirit of enlightenment second category is the training in the precept to adopt the four white dharmas or practices which keep the spirit of enlightenment from weakening and again last as a translator's note last week I explained why 
the word white and black is used in the um, Tibetan, and I don't know if it was just translated in this way um, to seem softer, but there's a whole discussion of what those words mean. Those are primary colors in, uh, 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 in, in the, the Buddhist tradition when you study colors, white and black fall into that. Um, so it's a frame of reference, um, and then they, it's de defined why this is white, this is black. So the word's really important to use if you want to study it further, because you need to know that that's what it's talking about. Because then you'll, you'll find out the, there are white Dharma practices and black Dharma practices, books written about them. So without knowing that that word, it, it, just the word dark is, is, is not the literal translation of that, nor is light. It's not a critique, it's just a, a fact. So, decent. George Sajin Nabi um, so, uh, the first, so uh, we're going to just look at this text now. Uh, so, we have the two categories of training the precept to eliminate the four uh, black practices and then, uh, and then the second category of adopting the four white practices. So the first category in Jayan Sheba's commentary, he says that there are two major points that are made or two separate points made. Um, so we're going to get into the body of that now. So the first point that's made um, is in relation to uh, the Kashapa chapter of the Ratna Kuta collection. Um, so Rinpoche, I believe, has they conjure. Okay. Um, so this is the actual um, text. Um, uh, um, so in the uh, sutras um, of the conjure, the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, we find this. This is the Kashapa chapter and of the Rat Ratna Kuta collection, the Kashapa Parivarta. Um, so um, this is the actual uh, one. And it says, Gonse cha sum cha su je. Gonse cha 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 cha. Gonse cha sum 
So it's 100. So uh, uh, Okay, so it's book 100, uh, page 300, sumja, soje. What the Okay, so uh, that's the uh, the actual text, and um, uh, that uh, we find in the Kangjur that's cited here in uh, Lama Tsongkhapa's um, text. White is the primary color, by the way. So if we were to say, where are the points about these uh, practices being, where is Lama Tsongkhapa getting them from, we're able to go right to this text, pull it from the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, and find out where the source for this information is. Mm. Okay. Sanjibanga Conjugate, <coughs> 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 Okay, so the first category 
the training and the precept to eliminate the four black practices which weaken the spirit of enlightenment. Uh, in the Kashapa chapter of the Ratna Kuta collection, there are statements that list the four practices with respect to not actualizing or forgetting the spirit of enlightenment in future lifetimes, and that list the four practices with respect to actualizing and not forgetting the spirit of enlightenment, not casting it aside until you reach enlightenment. They are presented as precepts of the aspirational spirit of enlightenment. And then now it will get into what these four uh, black practices exactly are. Um, so these four, um, so Rinpoche read through this. Uh, uh, there are statements that list the four practices with respect to not actualizing or forgetting the spirit of enlightenment in future lifetimes and that list the four practices with respect to actualizing and not getting the spirit of enlightenment, not casting it aside until you reach enlightenment. So the point being made here is that when you generate the spirit of enlightenment and you have it in this lifetime, you'll eventually have to die. So then when you do so, when you die, how do you make sure that it, it then carries on? Here it says, until you reach enlightenment. Um, so, the previous section is speaking of just this lifetime. Now, this is talking about from the time you die until you become a Buddha, what do you do? And it's speaking of these four, uh, abandoning the four black practices and taking on the four white practices. It says the, they are presented as precepts of the aspirational. Uh, um, uh, it says, let me go back here. List four practices with respect to actualizing and not forgetting the spirit of enlightenment, not casting it aside until you reach enlightenment. They are presented as precepts of the aspirational spirit of enlightenment. So again, aspirational spirit of enlightenment and um, engaged spirit of enlightenment. This is specifically talking about aspirational. ก็ว่าจุดละกับจุดเชนจุดละกับจุดละกับจุดละกับจุดละกับจุดละกับจุดละกับจุดละกับจุดละกับจุดละกับจุดละกับจุดละกับจุดละกับจุดละกับจุด
Nabut Okay, so we were just we're having a discussion about this color situation. Um, so why? So um, let's let me just make sure I'm not missing anything. Uh, so. What what does it mean when we say black dharmas and white dharmas? Um, so when we say white dharmas, an example of white dharmas would be ethics which are abandoning the ten non-virtuous activities. So this would be an example of white dharmas. Examples of black dharmas would be engaging in the non-virtuous activities. Why would we say that these uh, non-virtues are black dharmas, we would say that because they give rise to suffering, um, because they give rise to negativity. Um, and why would we say that the others are white dharmas? Because they give rise to happiness. So my inquiry further was, why the use of this color? Why would we nominally designate... So Rinpoche said, obviously, uh, um, a an action isn't a color. Um, it's just named as that. It's just given the name that. Color and action, are, color is form, and action is something different. They're not, they don't have a common locus. They're, not, they're mutually exclusive. So it's merely a designation when it comes to the naming of black or white. So I inquired further, what, what's wrong? Why is this black bad? In the, why has this been con a negative connotation? And he said, well, it's a, uh, when we look at it in terms of the color scheme, um, we have Nusser uh, Karmar. Those are the four primary colors, which are um, uh, um, blue, red, white, uh, and yellow. Um, so these are the four. It's so the, the black is, falls into uh, some of the secondary, under shadows and, and things of this nature, dark cloud, shadows. Um, so um, we're getting closer to what, you know, the negative meaning. So it's a secondary color, uh, shadows, dark clouds, thunder. Uh, these are examples of dark color, which is black in this case. Napi Kadok is black color. I know that sounds strange too because we don't consider black a color, but in Tibetan Buddhism and in Indian Buddhism, the primary colors uh, are red, yellow, blue, and white. Um, so, um, so uh, it goes further, though. So then I inquired further, and Rinpoche said another reason could be historically and culturally. Um, the reason that monks and nuns and Buddhists wear the colors that they do are because of cultural reason during the times. The Buddha said that he didn't want his followers to wear white because this was the sign of the upper class in India, a uh, sign of uh, wealth and so forth, the Brahma, Brahmins and, and so forth, the castes. So he didn't want the followers wearing white. And black was used by Muslims. So he did not want followers using black garb because the Muslims were 
the tradition that used the black garb. Um, so the things that were left were red, yellow, and blue. So the Buddha said that any of those colors can be used by the followers. So, I mean, as a note, technically a monk could dress in all blue and it would be completely appropriate. It just, that's not what they did with it. Um, but you do see blue on a lot of the, the, the robes. So historically, the Buddha said, followers, uh, you know, not a rule, but I would suggest use red, yellow, and blue as your colors to, just to differentiate you from the cultural time. So that's just a little inquiry into why we're saying black, you know, color, white color, and we're saying that black dharma is bad, white dharma is good. It, it really doesn't have anything to do with what immediately raises flags in our own minds, and it's really just about the secondary color, what the examples of that black color are, and so forth. So, and then also the Muslim color um, and being something that's not used by the Buddhist tradition. Um, so, uh, let's see. So that's it. So the, the reason going back that Rinpoche originally started with is the reason it's called the Black Dharma is because it gives rise to negative things. It gives rise to um, suffering. The reason it's called the White Dharma is because it gives rise to happiness. And I see why they used dark and light, because then you get to positive and negative real easily. But it's just too washed if we do that. And that's not what the book says. So that's why we've just got to stick with the real words and then try to historically research back why they use those words instead of changing them to feel more comfortable. I won't give any more commentary. Apologize. Decent. <laughs> <laughs> ダダマガトナビチェジェナンタボラガロワ。ダマガトショースナ。ダマガトショースナテレタボ。ケンボタンフルムタンラマタジネラソワネニジシェバシャデ。ユネケンロコララ。ラマネペンペンバンドバタ
so then we uh, we're going to get into this next um, these next points so there are two categories um, in this first um, paragraph according to Jayan Sheba uh, <coughs> I, I think it's just the, the 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 book that it's presented in and what's presented um, are the two points um, I don't want to go back and retrace it, um, but I believe that's what it is. Uh, future scholars can fix it. Um, uh, but there are two categories presented in here. Now we're getting into the uh, four dark practices are as follows. So um, there are going to be five categories um, that are going to be presented in Jayan Sheba's outline um, coming up here. And we're getting into the first category right now. Um, so when we, I, we say categories in this in, uh, commentary of the di interwoven commentary of the difficult points, um, it uh, I lost my thought. Um, anyway, I'll get back to it. Let me just read, and then I'll probably remember what my point was. So this is going to be the the first category among the five. Uh, so deceiving abbots, oh, I, I know. So these categories are just the different points that Jayan Sheba feels Lama Tsongkhapa is making. Um, so when we say there are these categories, all, all Jayan Sheba is doing is saying that in this paragraph, he makes this many points. In this paragraph, there are this many points. And then it's divided into an outline. Um, so there are two in the first, that first paragraph. Now we're going to get into five, um, and we'll see where the five uh, end up. Um, so deceiving abbots, masters, gurus, and those worthy of offerings, understand this in terms of two approaches, the objects of your action and what you do to these objects. According to the explanation in Srimati's commentary uh, on the Kashapa chapter, the objects are abbots and masters, this is obvious, gurus, those who want to help, I don't know if those are in this. And those worthy of offerings, though not included in the rank of the, two, the previous two groups, they have good qualities. Um, so here it's speaking of the, ob the actual objects of your action and what you do to these objects. So the object of observation of your reverence and then what you're doing, how you're revering, if you will. Um, so, um, and it says abbots and masters, so um, this can be um, ordained or householder. So it doesn't mean that it's specifically um, those who are, are ordained are abbots that we're speaking of. 
um, this is referring to any abbots, um, any master, any teachers, the word masters, any teachers. Um, so uh, this is, when we're looking at this first, who, deceiving, um, all teachers, all abbots fall into this category. Um, so that's the uh, uh, point of number one of the five. This <laughs> Okay. So, when we look at the object of observation um, of a practitioner on the path of seeing or on the path of meditation and so forth, the object of observation is all phenomena. When we look at categorized phenomena, we can break it down into three categories, virtuous, non-virtuous, and that which has not been presented in scripture, or that which is neutral. Um, but, uh, so uh, these are the three categories um, that we can divide uh, things into. And according to Buddhism, if one deceives uh, a abbot or a master or a guru or anyone who's worthy of an offering, any type of holy being, then this is a non-virtuous activity. Um, so when we look at categories of deeds or categories of phenomena, this would fall categorically under non-virtue um, because as a Buddhist, uh, we would say that you can't, don't deceive your abbot, you don't deceive your teachers, you don't deceive uh, holy beings. Um, so uh, this is um, first category and also a co slight commentary on the three categories of phenomena. Tagoas <laughs> So if we look to what the definitions of these um, terms are, we can find them. Uh, the definition of virtue is it has been presented in Scripture, uh, and falls within the lineage of that which gives rise to happiness. 
Um, so this is the qualification and the definition of virtue. Definition of non-virtue is that it has been presented in Scripture uh, and it is among the lineage of that which gives rise to suffering. Uh, so this is the definition of non-virtue. And the definition of not presented in Scripture is that which does not fall within the category of virtue or non-virtuous activity. So um, anything which falls outside of either of those two categories would be, you know, everything that falls outside of those two goes into that category um, of that which has not been presented in Scripture, meaning it's... It, the Buddha didn't say it's virtuous or it's non-virtuous, so um, it, it's not bad and it's not good. Um, so, um, obvious many examples of that. Oh, <laughs> So we look at uh, the various activities of the body, speech, and mind. Uh, so activity of the body, for instance, killing. Uh, engaging in killing is non-virtue. Engaging in the abandonment of killing is virtue. Um, and then we can give many examples of, uh, of something which is neither, just walking uh, in some way, which is neither virtuous or non-virtuous. Uh, the next category uh, of our speech, we have things that are virtuous, non-virtuous, and not presented in Scripture. We can uh, have examples of lying or uh, being non-virtuous, abandoning lying, etc. So we can apply all of the other virtues and non-virtues uh, that are presented um, in this uh, same way in, in, uh, and to put them in, in the same way in terms of categorizing, um, looking at the definition of virtue, non-virtue, and that which hasn't been presented in Scripture, and then seeing what that activity falls into um, and then categorizing it in that way. So the body, the speech, and then the sem. And then the mind, uh, we have so many things uh, that would be virtuous, such as uh, faith, uh, ge generating of, of, of faith or compassion. Um, meditation upon emptiness. Uh, these things would be virtuous. And then also uh, we have the opposites, non-virtues of things such as wrong view uh, and anger, hatred. These things would be non-virtues. And then the mind, there are all kinds of neutral kind of states of the mind where there isn't any virtue or non-virtue. It's just uh, a kind of a neutral place. And that's a not presented in scripture category. Uh, so these are how we would look at body, speech, and mind. Uh, in terms of uh, categorizing virtue, non-virtue, and not presented in Scripture, and all three of those have all three categories. Diesel. What? Take a break. Yeah.
So the four dark practices uh, are as follows. The four dark practices section has five categories. We just completed the first among the five categories. Okay, so we're again on page 76. For anybody uh, following, uh, we are on the five categories of the four dark practices according to Jayan Sheba's commentary. We have completed the first category, which um, ends where it ended. And now uh, we begin the second category that begins with a question. It says, what might you do to these objects that would be a dark practice? So what do you have to do to those four mentioned categories of abbots, masters, gurus, and those worthy of offerings? What would you have to do to them? Um, so it says for it to be a dark practice. It is a dark pra practice if you consciously deceive any of them. Um, so I let me see if it keeps going, but that's how much Rinpoche read. Then Kabar Kagadu Nipa. Kadare Nipa Yudala, Shawaji Shina, Kambala Suba, Tazula Shawaka, and then Abichus and Dunyana, Kushiro, Dunyana. And then the Jena Natchus and Dugres, Yudada, Kayaro, Lamata, Lumia Kayaro, La Raki Shijinto, Shijinto Luna. She the second category is just that, what I read. It is a, a dark practice. So uh, now, so it is a, a black Buddhist practice. So this is always in terms of Buddhism. Um, so it is a black Buddhist practice or a dark Buddhist practice if you cons consciously deceive any of them. Um, so any of them meaning any of those objects of, of worthy of our homage, the, our teachers, abbots, uh, masters, those worthy of offerings, if we lie or deceive them, then this is a, uh, a black practice. Why is this a black practice? It's a black practice because it gives rise to 
uh, suffering. Why is it a black practice? It's a black practice because it's non-virtuous. Why is it a non-virtuous? It's non-virtuous because it has been presented in Scripture and it's among the lineage that gives rise to suffering. Um, so this is how we analyze it and, and, and establish that it is a black dharma or black practice, why it is, and, um, and just that it is with respect to any of these um, beings. So uh, that's it. If it's a black practice, it's necessarily a black, black dharma. It's necessarily a um, non-virtue. If it's non-virtue, it necessarily leads to suffering. And that qualifies it as non-virtue and therefore dark, decent, black, dark. So here it says, um, what might you do to these objects that would be a um, black practice? It is a black practice if you consciously deceive any of them. Why is it a black practice? It is because it is a non-virtue. Why is it a non-virtue? It is a non-virtue because it has been presented in Scripture and is among a lineage that gives rise to suffering. Um, so this is the um, point that's made in number two. <coughs> <coughs> It'd be very interesting if we could address these questions to scientists because scientists are very clever and they have a, an ex extreme amount of uh, understanding. So we could say, uh, what does non-virtue give rise to? We know that suffering exists. How does it occur? What makes it happen? Um, what does it have a relation to non-virtue? Are they unrelated? So these are questions that would be interesting to see how science would answer. Um, what causes suffering? How is this incurring? Uh, is there a relationship between action and consequence in terms of experience? Digso. Tasumba Tanjil 
Okay, so uh, number three, with respect to how you deceive them, the commentary on the Kashapa chapter says that when they compassionately explain transgressions and you then confuse them about yourself with lies, it is dark. It says, whatever you try to mislead your gurus about yourself with an intention to deceive, it is dark. Um, so if you um, in any way try to mislead teachers, masters, abbots, any holy beings uh, with the intention to deceive. So if you mislead any of those categories of beings and you're intending <coughs> to deceive them. So this is just misleading them. You have to mislead with the intention to deceive them, to have one over on them. It's, it's almost like that in the Tibetan. To get one over on any of these beings would be one of these black dharmas. Uh, to try to, to, yeah, to get one over, to pull up the a fast one, but uh, to try to deceive. <coughs> it's written in a way that's it's almost a con. Right? con uh, trying to con purposefully um, any of these types of beings. So this would be considered a black deed in non-virtue, therefore non-virtue. <coughs> okay, however. All right, we're good. What do you think? Do you maybe use your eyes to hold your eyes? 
Okay, um, so number four is, however, it has to be uh, misleading with lies. The deception which is not lying will be dealt with below. This is because its remedy is the first of the four light practices, and the compendium of training says that eliminating the dark practice is a light practice. Um, so in Shanti Deva's uh, text, we have Shanti Deva's uh, Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, or the um, Bodhichara Avatara, and then we also have Chantideva's um, Compendium of Trainings uh, text, and uh, that's what's being cited here. And uh, it says that just the abandonment of dark is a considered a, the abandonment of black practices is considered a white practice. Um, so uh, that's the point that's being made here, uh, and, and in saying that it's, it's because it's a, an actual remedy that it's, it's, it says, however, it has to be misleading with lies. The deception which is not lying will be dealt with below. This is because it is the remedy of the first... Uh, it, this is because its remedy is the first of the four white practices. Um, so uh, it's similar to that, the story with the rope and the snake. The only thing that gets rid of the delusion that thinks a rope is a snake is knowing that it's a rope. Uh, so that's what negates that wrong thing. So it's opposite. So here we see how the opposites negate each other. So the um, uh, the first white practice negates the first dark practice, if you will. So engaging in the ethics, which abandons something, is actually uh, is actually a white practice. Dixon. maybe you just. Okay, so 
So, it says, however, it has to be misleading with lies. The deception which is not lying uh, will be dealt with below. Um, so, there are examples of many different examples that can be given, but one example, is it uh, virtue or non-virtue? If, for instance, there's uh, hunters are hunting a deer, and uh, they come into you and they say, which way did the deer go? And you send them in the wrong direction. Um, what does that categorically fall on, under, um, it, virtue or non-virtue? Because there's love and compassion that's motivating that deception. Um, uh, so then that'll be dealt with in later uh, point, later points. Um, so here this presents the antidote uh, as um, one of the white practices, meaning that that which abandons a dark practice, which is its opposite, is a white practice. So uh, we'd consider um, the... Um, so for instance, uh, the actual abandonment of deceiving a guru would be a white dharma, whereas deceiving the guru is a black dharma. Um, so we see how uh, the, this first, uh, in a similar way to the understanding that a rope is a rope and it's not a snake, serves as an antidote to the misconception that a rope is a snake. Likewise, the antidote to these non-virtues is sometimes the, their opposite or abandoning the actual abandonment of themselves, the actual abandonment of themselves is the vert white dharma. Okay, Ramachan. Mm -hmm. Ngapa? Kangama? Ngapa. Uh, Moreover. Ngapa, Ngapa, the Tambo, the the Leila will do. Ngapa. Lama la tu je 
Um, so here, uh, uh, so again, when we're looking at the, f there are four uh, dark practices. Uh, so the first has, uh, the first dark practice has five categories, <coughs> okay? Um, so we are now at the fifth category uh, of the first <coughs> Uh, among the four dark practices. Okay. Uh, so it is, moreover, it is said that incorrigible students deceive their gurus when they say one thing to the guru and secretly say something different to others, who then say, careful, this will come to the teacher's ears. Uh, so this means that if in a group, students get together and they're telling secrets and saying things to each other, that they don't want the teacher to know or is different than what, so that's not right. It's not that they just don't want the teacher to know. It's different than what they have already told the teacher. Um, so uh, this is deception. So if you have, uh, what you're saying is truth in a group of people is different is <coughs> truth to the, the teacher. Um, if in the case the truth is uh, what you're saying to the friends, then you're deceiving the guru in that case. Um, so this is what's meant by uh, number five. It's it's when a group of it's basically a group gossiping, a group of students together, um, say, saying something uh, a secret <coughs> uh, that is different than what they told the teacher, and not being so deceptive group-wise as to say, make sure this doesn't get back to the teacher. Um, so it's a uh, it's there's a layer of deception here. It's not just the deception to the teacher. It's the deception taking place by saying, make sure this doesn't get back to the teacher. Decent. Okay, so now... Uh, the first has five. The second will also have five categories. So, so 
અને સુસુ ગોવા નડું જોબા મેં ખેંચ ગાંધા જુંગુર હોતા જોબા મેં બલ્લા જોબા જવાડું ભખો જોબા મેં બલ્લા જોબાચી જોબાચી કેસા છે અને દુ ચાર સંત મોશી જોબાચી જોબાચી જે જોબા મેં બલ્લા જોબા નેવાડું બલ્લા ની લેસ જોબાચી થશે છે નીસ યુને કાંઝા ગવા છે ગવા છે ગવા ગવા છે ગાંસ તલા ચી શેબા જોબે સાંબે સાંબે ભાવો ખારે ટ્રીટ Um, so, for instance, if they're engaging in the ethics which abandons the ten non-virtuous activities, saying, you don't need to do that, why are you doing that? Um, uh, you shouldn't be doing that. So, in some way, uh, getting them to regret something they shouldn't, engaging in the ethics which abandons the ten non-virtuous activities is good, it's virtuous. But if you convince them that it's not, 
and get them to regret doing it, this is what this is referring to. Um, so it's, it's, it's getting them to think that uh, they shouldn't have done something that they really should have done, um, so that in convincing them is such. Uh, so this is category number two. Dixon. Okay, so here, um, the third is the commentary on the Kashapa chapter explains that deceitfully misleading fellow practitioners with respect to <coughs> wording when they are observing the trainings correctly is dark. So if they are correctly engaging in the ethics which abandons the ten non-virtuous activities, so if they are engaging properly, the wording is the what was presented, what was pronounced by the, the Lord Buddha. So their training in what was worded, what the Lord Buddha pronounced, but then you deceive them uh, and tell them that they're doing it incorrectly in some way, um, even though they are doing it correctly. That's considered a dark dharma, a black dharma or dark dharma. If you, even though someone is doing it correctly, try to convince them that it's incorrect. That's number three. 
So for the first two, number four, for the first two dark practices in, in commentaries, it is said to make no difference whether or not, let me read this again, I think I read it wrong or something. For these first two dark practices, it is said to make no difference whether or not you are able to deceive or whether or not you are able to cause regret. The commentary on the Kashapa chapter concurs in this regard. And then number five, the commentary over takes the latter to be a case of misleading as well. Um, so this is the point. Uh, so those are the five um, contain five points that are contained within number two of the, the dark dharmas, dark practices. Mm-hmm. 
So it's important in Buddhism to know what the objects are that one is apprehending and what what they mean and how to categorize them. So what is apprehended at when one sees emptiness at the path of seeing, at the path of meditation? What's apprehended at that time is all phenomena. What is all phenomena? All phenomena is anything that is virtue, anything that is non-virtue, or anything that has not been presented in Scripture. So how do you know what's what? How do you know what is virtue? How do you know what is non-virtue? If it is virtue, it has been presented in Scripture and falls within the lineage of that which gives rise to happiness. If it is non-virtue, it is necessarily presented in Scripture and falls within the lineage that gives rise to suffering. And if it doesn't categorically fall within either of those, then it's necessarily not presented in Scripture. So the object of observation at the path of seeing and meditation and so forth, when we say all phenomena, is those three categories, or are, is those three categories. Um, that's what's apprehended. What so there's been a large amount of virtue created here today. There's been virtue created by teaching. There's been virtue created by listening. Um, and all of you listen so well, it's important to properly dedicate this virtue um, now that the class is over. Um, it is said that uh, just like a drop of water from a bucket um, put into the ocean, it uh, doesn't dissolve until the entire ocean dissolves. Likewise, a virtue that is properly dedicated to one's Buddhahood does not um, get extinguished until it becomes the cause for that actual goal, um, which is Buddhahood. So it remains until that Buddhahood occurs. Uh, so therefore, make sure that right now, because class is ending, you make a very strong dedication um, because you've created, listened so well, and created an enormous amount of virtue, make sure that virtue carries forward all the way to your enlightenment. Uh, so we'll do the concluding mandala offering uh, and dedication oh, yeah. prayer. I don't think I even have a prayer book. Maybe not. I just hop up, but my ankle doesn't work right now. Thank you. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. 
I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All powerful Avogateshvara, Tenzin Yatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandak, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Suji Rimache Gutsi Shapi Denalangatsu Lamram Shemokan Chai. Fe abudu.